for the first time since 2013, the Buffalo Bills are 2-0 to start the preseason, ladies and gentlemen. Who is excited for that? No, really. The Buffalo Bills getting a 27-14 victory over the Carolina Panthers, in which the first team offense and defense look, both look pretty good, but... Uh, I think it's the offense that uh, is really uh, what people are coming away with in this game, and certainly Josh Allen plays a big role in that. With me, as always, my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. Matthew, this game, this whole week in in the Carolinas, not just one Carolina, but both, um, the, you can't help but think that they have to be happy with how Josh Allen came through it all, especially with the, uh, I guess, the tip of the iceberg being this 9 of 11 for 100-plus yard performance that resulted in a touchdown and a field goal in just two drives. Yeah, it was a, a solid game for him. I, I, it was unspectacular in some ways, but, you know, certainly efficient. And his last practice uh, of joint practices on Wednesday was much of the same. He, you know, something that Panthers cornerback James Bradbury said that stuck out is that, you know, Josh Allen, because they saw him in the preseason last year, which was Josh Allen's first preseason game. And, you know, so his first NFL action ever, and he was kind of all over the place, throwing the ball deep. Um, and what Bradbury mentioned was that Allen is a lot more inclined to take the underneath stuff. He's better at calling things out before the snap, changing things at the line of scrimmage, and just orchestrating the offense like he wasn't doing last year. So, you know, to to see that type of difference now, Luke Keekley wasn't out there, the Panthers aren't game planning, uh, you know, there's always the caveat of it. It's just the preseason. It, it doesn't count. It doesn't matter. It's not, you know, any indication that this guy's going to have success during the regular season. But it is certainly better than the alternative, which would be him, you know, looking really bad in these games. So I think worth getting encouraged, sure, but, um, you know, still a ways to go. I think the, the best part of it for this offense is the fact that he's clearly leaning on Cole Beasley. Yeah. Uh, you know, five for five on throws to Cole Beasley and a lot of those in that short area and they really seem to have honed in on their connection and so some encouraging signs but you know there's plenty of encouraging signs around the league this time of year that never pan out and so we'll see what happens but you know like I said better than the alternative. Absolutely and I think what I liked about his performance above all else is not only was he just taking that underneath stuff, which is what um, Bradbury alluded to that, that you were talking about, but also in the same way that while he was okay with taking that stuff, he also kept his eyes into the second level, and it helped him gain a couple of big, big passes with uh, the one especially to Tommy Sweeney over by the, the right sideline, and then again to Tommy Sweeney to put him, I think, at the four-yard line on their touchdown drive. Those are two great examples of where he's keeping his eyes down the field. And you see it during practices, too, where if he's rolling a certain way and, and there's one route that's going about 8 yards and there's another route going about 18, he wants the 18-yard route, but 
I think the difference is now he's trying to figure out when he can take that stuff as opposed to just always going for the big stuff. And that's what they've been trying to impress upon him, which means he is, yes, making some progress. Now, the caveat here is that is kind of threefold here. One, he is going up against the Panthers' defense that was not game-planning for him, or if they were only slightly game-planning for him. Secondly, they did not have Luke Keekley in the lineup. And third, it's the preseason, and this is what you're supposed to look like in the preseason. Maybe not as efficient as he did, but certainly you're supposed to show signs of progress against teams in this way at this point of the year. No matter what, though, it is perfectly okay, in my mes- my estimation, for people to be, you know, not, perhaps excited is, is the wrong word, but to be cautiously optimistic that this guy is making progress, that he's learning from mistakes of the past, that he's starting to take another step forward in his progress, but it it's not there yet and it won't we won't know if it is there up until we get into the actual regular season where we start to see the ebbs and flows of you know teams game planning for him him going through uh some down performances some bad drives because again this is this is a very small sample size just like it was last week it's two drives so if one of these drives don't end up in points are people souring on it probably just because it's it's such a small sample size, so there's there are so many different ways to slice it, but it is okay to be encouraged by this, I would say. Yeah, that first drive, it looked like he missed Tommy Sweeney coming open over the middle. I'll have to go and watch it again, but that was the play he was sacked on that ended the drive. You know, it, so there are little things that, you know, just make it not a perfect performance, and ultimately, you know, we could rattle off a long list of quarterbacks who have looked good in the preseason, who have had you know great moments in the preseason and done nothing. And all you have to do is look last year at Nathan Peterman and what he did in the preseason. He looked sharp as could be, and uh, that didn't work out too well. E.J. Manuel had his shining moment against the Cleveland Browns a few years ago and everybody knows what EJ Manuel was as a quarterback I mean mm-hmm. uh, the legend of the podcast Blaine Gabbert had quite a dazzling preseason of his own how I think dare in you. his I can't remember if it was his second or third season yeah but how probably dare, both how dare you start this at 1 in the morning well we're back we're back on the train the Blaine, the Blaine train is leaving the station and it left but he is Another example, I mean, you could go down the list of guys that have shown something in the preseason, and, you know, it's why we've said it, or at least, you know, I've tried to, you know, not be a wet blanket, um, you know, on Josh Allen because he's looked pretty good Mm -hmm. uh, during training camp practices and preseason games, Uh, but it just, you know, if you think that you can take that and speak definitively about what he's going to be you're kidding yourself right it doesn't matter if he does become if he becomes good it won't have anything to do really with what he did in a preseason game you know it's it's much bigger than that and you know it's just 
it's not worth rushing to judgment on a guy. You know, you have to let him play football. And he even said tonight after the game, he's like, I'm just ready. You know, somebody had asked about what, where they need to go from here or whatever, and he said, I'm just ready to play real football. Uh, and that's with just two preseason games. You know, I mean, two preseason games is probably enough. I think I speak for everybody. I mean, these games are just they're just boring I mean they're just not they're not quite you know they're just a tease in a lot of ways you know you get your moments you get your uh you get your couple of series with the guys that that really count and then you get some moments from the backups that are fun to watch you get Christian Wade Duke Williams making some plays Kevin Johnson had a cool moment tonight so there's the moments but the whole then you leave realizing that none of it ever really mattered so it's kind of a weird dynamic and uh i wouldn't be mad if this were the last one but there's two more to go oh and, are there you know, ever lots of overreactions to come and those games will mean something they'll mean everything for a lot of these guys at the bottom of the roster but they're just not going to mean a whole lot for josh allen here's a tangent i just don't understand why these preseason games have to be in prime time like that every other game on the schedule is Usually a one o'clock, a four o'clock afternoon game, unless you're you're a big time team. Every single one of these games are at night. It just I don't know. I guess I guess I don't I don't really understand. I'm it. guessing it's a schedule. Well, we had a couple last year that were or one last year I think that was a four o'clock on a Sunday or yeah, a Saturday. I mean I mean I don't know why they don't get the routine going of Sunday games. Right. But that doesn't make sense. I I guess the only thing I can think of is like maybe it conflicting it's probably a television thing they think they have a better shot at getting people to watch in prime time rather than on a sunday in the Uh, summer because of all the separate little side deals with local stations yeah that makes sense that would be you know my guess but um it is you know i guess it is what it is but it's um it's just kind of silly to make people wait up until 11 o'clock at night to watch players that aren't going to be on the team I think most people probably flipped it off at about 8 o'clock when oh. Josh Allen went out of the game. How dare um, you? They probably did not stick around to I see bet the you the, I bet you the scamper. I bet you the Bills Beat listeners didn't do that. I, We've got a dedicated I lot. I would say Uh-oh, here we go. some of them definitely did. I would say hundreds of them did. Wow. I would say there's probably people listening to this that didn't watch any of the game, which is maybe why maybe they were listening to this to see what they missed okay in fact i can say for a fact we have at least one listener who did not watch any of the game yeah i saw his tweet too so he gets enough pub as it is on this yeah, i think this he's gonna podcast. he's like the new blaine gabbard he gets <laughs> mentioned so often i'm not even gonna say his name but we have i would guess he's not alone i'm gonna say there's plenty of people who have not watched the game and, and missed out on all that great great action oh yes um but I suppose if we're if we're going to put like a little bow over this whole Josh Allen um, performance tonight, I think just in large part what uh, what he was able to accomplish tonight was was important to his development. Just not to go completely overboard or anything like that, but just to show that the last three days including the two joint practices and this preseason game, have probably been his strongest three days of the summer. And 
I feel pretty comfortable in saying that because it just never really it always seemed like there was that one classic Josh Allen error that just popped up but he didn't turn the ball over at any point this week in in the Carolinas I think that's important for him to gain some confidence in that respect and and by the way he was going up against Luke Keekley in those two practices um, on Tuesday and Wednesday and he was still slinging it around pretty well so even though Keekley wasn't involved in this preseason game there's still some stuff to take away that said their practices they were non-contact on Tuesday and Wednesday tonight Friday or last night I should say since we're in the wee hours of the morning now there there wasn't that game planning there wasn't the um uh, there wasn't the Keekley factor which you have to consider but this is this is a this is a positive step and you know I think the Bills have to be ecstatic about what they saw over these last three days. I really do. They're, I mean, they're, they know that he's not there, but the fact that he's starting to go in the way that they want him to go, that's that has to be encur- really encouraging for them. Yeah, I think the this type of competition tends to bring out the best in him at times. And he was definitely solid. I mean, he could have been you know, all over the place in these practices with, you know, the having another team and a different look from a different defense, you know, with a 3-4 look or, or some under looks that they were showing, that could have rattled him or he could have been off his game. But he was under control. He was poised. He was, you know, a leader for these guys, which he always is. So all those things are are good things. But I will get EJ Manuel had one of his best practices of the summer in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Yes, he did, but we all know that was fool's gold. Every and single one of us that saw it, like, well, that's the best practice he'll ever have. It was a great practice. It so was a great he, practice. He had, he Gotta had, give it to him. He had practice moments. Everybody has moments, but to see Josh Allen do it three days in a row yes. and in a preseason game was, was certainly uh, a step in the right direction, and it feels like, yeah, obviously they got to play these last two preseason games, and you know, the third one is probably important, but I think how quickly they pulled him out showed that they felt they'd seen all they needed to see. Mm-hmm. And he'll get some more time uh, against the Lions, but it doesn't feel like there's all that much to. I don't want to say there's nothing left to gain, like they're ready to go and hit the ground running, but right. you've seen a lot of what you want to see, including the chemistry with Cole Beasley. Uh, you know, maybe there's a, you know, some some more to do with John Brown, which was a hot start at training camp, but has kind of fizzled that connection. Uh, but overall, you see a lot of what you need to see out of Josh Allen. You just kind of want to see him keep stay on this trajectory, mm-hmm. play his quarter and a half or two quarters against the Lions, and then put him on ice until week one against the Jets. Yeah, I agree with you there. One other point on Josh Allen it was very um, interesting to hear some of his veteran teammates in the locker room speak about him and to the progress that he's made and and basically how they're following him into battle and how he's the leader and all of this this the unquestioned leader and you know I mean it's it's very evident that there is a full-on belief from people inside that locker room on the offensive side of the ball that think 
this this guy could have something to him. So, you know, they, they get to see him a lot more often than we do. They get to see him in meetings. They get to see him behind the scenes, all these other things. They get to see exactly what he is, and um, they're pretty optimistic about it. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes for him. I have a question about Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, of course, had his five receptions this evening. Although I think we're encroaching on dangerous territory with him. Is he getting to the overrated point now? And not to say that he's a bad player by any means. That oh, he's he's you know just overvalued. But I feel like people's projections of what he could do this year is getting a tad ridiculous. I mean, he's a good player and a really good route runner and one that's going to get open a lot, but it's to be determined whether or not Josh Allen is actually going to take advantage of him in the regular season. It's very easy to do it in in the preseason and in and these practices, but are we getting to the point where people are going a little overboard on him? Because it kind of feels like it. That may be so. I'd I haven't seen too many specific instances of it myself. Well, people are thinking like, you know, 90-plus catches, 100 catches for, for this guy. and I, I've seen that multiple times on, on the old Twitter. And it's like, I don't know if I want to be going that far because that's a lot of freaking receptions in one year. And I, I, just, I just don't know if I, I trust that connection between those two, especially when Josh Allen has not shown the massive ability throughout the his entire career of being able to find those underneath targets uh, enough. Again, he's shown really positive signs that he's going to be able to do that in this offense with Cole Beasley, but it's also going to be a shift in perspective when, as Richie Incognito would say, it's nut-cutting time in, in the regular season, and when he needs a lot of yards, if he's going to go down the field or if he's going to be able to settle for Cole Beasley. I just... I just I'm not I'm not poo-pooing the idea of him potentially having that type of impact. I'm just saying that the people are like, oh, lock for 85-plus catches, lock for 90-plus catches. I, I just want to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. It, it's August 17th. Yeah, I have not. I have missed these 100-plus uh, these oh. catches. But I admittedly, I don't have my timeline open during games. And so... I miss a lot of what people are rabble-rousing about, which is particularly nice during the preseason to uh, not have that. But I have seen some aggressive projections in the 80-plus range. I mean, 80 catches is, what, five catches a game? So he caught five catches in, in two series tonight. I'm... I think those two are turning a corner. I thought they turned a corner this week, and whether that continues on that path remains to be seen, but I actually think Cole Beasley is more important. I think he's more important now than I thought he would be at the beginning of training camp, and even when they signed him, knowing what they wanted him to be but not thinking that it would necessarily work with Josh Allen. I'm now thinking that the way they're working together is actually bringing out something in Josh Allen that wasn't quite there. And the, I I don't think you can, well, you can overstate everything, but I don't think it's, you know, wrong to 
point out the importance of Cole Beasley and Brian Dable's offense with all of the option routes that he can run out of the slot and what that gives them on third down. They had nothing like that last year in Isaiah McKenzie. You know, the ability to read the defense off of a linebacker or a nickel corner or a safety and run a different route based on the coverage that's something that I wasn't sure was going to work with Josh Allen and there's still a chance it won't but reading the defense pre-snap reading it on the fly and the quarterback and receiver being on the same page to make plays they were money the last you know in the preseason game and that last practice on Wednesday so if that continues I don't you know, I don't think it really matters if he has 100 catches or 70 catches or 85. Like, I, I don't really get too caught up in the numbers. It's more so what those catches are. And tonight, one yeah. of them was a key third down catch. Um, you know, other ones are early down catches that set you up for second and third and short as opposed to second and third and long. And, you know, the more on the same page they are, the more he can do after the catch. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know... And maybe he will, who, who the hell knows. But I, I don't think he's going to be like, you know, Wes Welker or Julian Edelman, you know, that people want him to be necessarily. But I don't think he has to be to be a super valuable piece of this offense. Yeah, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to destroy the notion that it could happen. I'm just offering up food for thought because I know how sometimes preseason leads to being carried away about things and you know it's it's tough not to project based on what you're seeing because you're actually physically seeing it um, for perhaps the first time since the last time you saw this Bills roster you're like oh wow this guy's gonna be a stud this year and then you know very often those studs from the preseason end up going away so again I, I like Cole Beasley I think he's a really stinking talented route runner and how he's able to to separate from defenders and I'm not debating that he could get to those levels I just I just uh you know I suppose the expectations kind of getting heightened are what I'm what I'm focusing on here um all right how about uh Cody Ford because tonight he was at right tackle because uh, Ty Insecki had uh, some knee soreness, according to Sean McDermott. At least that's what he said after the game. Uh, Brandon Bean on Channel 7's pregame show said it was a knee tweak for Ty Insecki. So whichever version of a knee you would like. Altogether, it doesn't sound all that serious um, for Insecki. And you would have to think that he's back before too long. Um it certainly seems like that Mitch Morse, for him snapping some footballs ahead of the game, seems to be progressing in a, the right direction for them. Don't know when he'll be able to get back out on the field to practice, but for now, that's that's as much as we've seen him do. But Ford is, is the focus here, because he played right tackle, and once again, to me, same exact stuff happened. When it was out wide... He had some trouble. There's one rep where he he pushed his guy out wide and got a good enough jump to get a, clear him of the pocket altogether. But again, there were just a handful of instances in two series where a wide rush got to him, whereas the inside stuff was not as big of a problem, which I think they're getting to a very um, precarious spot at, uh, at, 
at this point in the preseason because it's now August 17th. It's no longer early August. You have two preseason games to go, one of consequence to your starters. If you, if this guy is going to be a guard for you, if you think Ty Inseki is your right tackle, it's all hands on deck at guard to get him ready there because it's not as though he just goes to guard and he's just bam right away. I mean, he's got to have some reps. The majority of his snaps through practice in both the spring and summer have been at right tackle. I mean, over the last week and change, he's gotten reps at guard, but still, the majority of his hours have been spent at tackle. So that's why you need they need to make a decision starting on Sunday, and they need to not deviate from that plan because now it's getting to the point where you might be doing the guy a disservice by continuing to flip-flop him between two different positions ahead of ahead of the start of the regular season, especially if Inseki is, is healthy enough. And while not letting him totally get comfortable at one spot. So they just need to make a decision and stick to it if Inseki is actually healthy. Well, that's where it gets tricky is if he's hurt or if he gets hurt in the future, what you do with Ford. Because if Inseki gets hurt, then your best five offensive lineman involves having Cody Ford at right tackle. It doesn't involve throwing Connor McDermott on the field or whoever the hell else, DeAndre, DeAndre Wesley. Wesley or Ryan Bates. You know, the, Who played your, center tonight. Your best five in, means Cody Ford's at right tackle, and I think that's what they're doing. And whether that means... like I don't know that you're finding a tackle on waivers that's really going to get the job done necessarily as a swing tackle... Which is why all along I've been fine with the bouncing him back and forth because I think how he has the baseline knowledge at both spots and it would be better if he were getting reps all in one spot, but I also don't think it's as drastic as if he had never played guard before. But what about right now? Like if getting him ready for week one. I feel like it, it's time to focus. They and that I think they will, but in order to do that, Ty Inseke has to be healthy because you've got Josh Allen out there. You don't want to throw DeAndre Wesley at right tackle. Oh, yeah, absolutely and, not. You know, no, I know and, that. And that would be the case if Inseke can't go on you know, next Friday. You don't want to have one of those slappies out there instead of having Ford, who's better than all of them, even if he's not perfect at right tackle. The ideal situation is that Inseki can get healthy enough so that they can go back to that five that they were working with. But you still have to... I mean, everything is done with the quarterback in mind. And I, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of a tough question to answer of how much it will impact Ford's development to bounce back and forth. It could end up being a good thing long-term for him to be able to move back and forth and be kind of a flexible piece for the offensive line. I mean, who even knows what, um, you know, I, I think he'll end up being a guard this year for the majority of it, but um, I, I just don't hate the idea of having him be flexible because I know it's not like with Cyrus Quanjo back in the day or other guys where guard felt like a last-ditch thing. Guard feels like something he can do as good, if not better, than tackle, and tackle is something he knows how to do when he needs to and 
you know, I think he's got a good enough baseline at both where the reps will be valuable, but the real reps that are valuable are the reps at right guard with Nseke next to him at right tackle. No, that's that's right. You know, with DeAndre Wesley next to him. But even if it is DeAndre Wesley next to him in this third preseason game, I still think it's more valuable to have him be at right guard, especially if it's if it's knee soreness and you just want to sit out Nseke as a precautionary thing. I mean, whatever. It's, it's just a preseason game at the end of the day, but... I feel like it's it's more valuable if if you are fairly certain which you know knee soreness. I feel like he should be able to be able to go by the time September whenever ninth tenth. What I don't even know what what day what day their opener is. Um, whenever that rolls around. So as long as you are fairly confident in that, I think it benefits them way more, even if it's Wesley at right tackle. Uh, in this third preseason game to have Ford out there at right guard and taking those reps. I just... I think if they play DeAndre Wesley at right tackle while Josh Allen is at quarterback in a preseason game, they are being way too reckless with their franchise quarterback. See, I don't... I don't... I mean, they've... They sat him back there behind a shit sandwich last year. Well, yeah, but that was there wasn't much of a choice that was what they had now right. they've got a combination that would allow some legitimate nfl players to be on the field all at once protecting their quarterback which should be the main priority over slightly delaying cody ford's development if if that's even the case because they could get some practice time in with Enseke, or they could get some practice time in with wesley at right tackle considering josh allen can't be hit uh, in those scenarios, there's plenty of time to get Cody Ford ready to play guard. And quite frankly, he looks decent enough that I think he'll be okay come the regular season with a couple weeks of practice. But uh, I don't know that he needs the game action unless Nseke is healthy. Mostly just to be overly cautious about Josh Allen because if he gets hurt, oh yeah, it doesn't matter what the hell Cody Ford's doing. Cody Ford could be playing quarterback at that point. Although Matt Barkley looked pretty good tonight. He's looked pretty good for the last couple of weeks. I think I'd love to see Cody Ford play quarterback. Cody Ford would be a great triple option quarterback. (laughs) With all options being running. (laughs) I don't know how fast he would run. I'd pay to see it in the fourth preseason game. I I would enjoy seeing that as well. Um, one thing that people are going to have to pay to see is Tyree Jackson play football in the fourth preseason game, which, if he makes it that far, didn't go well. Well, I mean, they they need somebody. He's four for eighteen. Well, yeah, we've seen With Jordan Palmer should have been two picks and other beauties such as Matt Leinart and Vince Young get signed yeah. to play in fourth preseason games. There was a, I think Tyree. Two years ago or last year, that got signed and thrown into the fire. So Ooh, Tyree Jackson will name? probably get the Keith something. Keith Wenning. Keith Wenning. He there got in there. Yes, he did. So yeah, there's options. It, but I think they're just going to want to see what they have in Tyree Jackson. The problem with that is, in my opinion, is and having talked to some people, is he's making it really hard to evaluate the wide receivers on the bottom of the roster. Oh yeah, true. He and and that's a problem because and I know you can grade the oh this guy gets a win on this rep cuz he got open and whatever else, but 
you also want to see guys make plays on the football, and he's yeah. not even giving a lot of guys a chance to do that. So you you can't you know you can't just roll him out there for fun because if he's this bad, then you know maybe you do need a, another veteran arm to just evaluate the talent on your roster because you've right. got a lot of guys, not just that sixth receiver spot because Matt Barkley is you know helping sort that competition out for the most part, but picking which guys end up on the practice squad I mean it's really difficult because Tyree Jackson both in practice and in games is all over the place and Mm -hmm. so he's not really you know giving these guys chances to make plays and Victor Bolden Cam Phillips and Nick Easley the guys who work with Tyree Jackson tonight had zero opportunities to to do much of anything and that's that's as you pointed out that's a disservice to them and Nick Easley you know, has made some noise, but you, I, I just don't know what he's, you know, a guy like that or even Duke Williams in the first preseason game or David Sills, like what these guys are supposed to do, um, you know, when this guy's as inaccurate as he is. And it certainly makes their job harder. Maybe it will just make it easier to get all those guys you know, have their pick on the practice squad, you know, <laughs> right. get them through waivers because sure. none of them are doing anything. Um, but I think that's, you know, obviously a way in the weeds storyline of like which of these receivers will make the practice squad. But it is kind of a, a weird numbers game because they won't all be on the practice squad. I mean, oh, no. guys like Duke Williams, I think he's either on the roster or gone. I don't think he'll be on the practice squad. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know, Nick Easley seems like a good candidate. David Sills seems like a good candidate, but Cam, Cam Phillips. Phillips is better than both of them. But then you have to weigh, like, is Cam Phillips topped out, um, you know, and these guys have more room to develop. I think Cam Phillips is still good and worth keeping around. However, but got passed by Duke Williams on the depth chart for this evening. Duke Williams was playing ahead of him. could have just been a – they've done a lot of this guy gets this game, this guy gets this, and it might be a situation of – Let's let, factor. let's let Duke Williams play with Matt Barkley <laughs> right. so we can see what he looks like. Sure, because um, Cam Phillips did drop a pass. And it's Matt Barkley that's giving these guys chances to make plays in the end zone. So there's right. still a long way to go in all of that competition because it looked like Ray Ray McLeod was, you know, leading the way at one point and Isaiah McKenzie's made some noise. So who knows? Maybe they decide to keep five. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's also Seen a possibility if, if they want to carry an extra player at a certain position so uh, but it's just a, a weird competition right now and the practice squad factor I assume they'll only keep two of them on the practice squad and um, maybe Tyree Jackson's the practice squad quarterback but maybe he shouldn't be because right then none of these guys will know what it feels like to have a football hit their hands all right it is past two in the morning so um, we're gonna start wrapping this up but just to get us prepared for the regular season, I think I have a preseason. Come on, Darlene. I'll allow it. Yeah. So, I think... I don't even know if you heard this, but it it crushed my entire brain all in for the 30 seconds it was happening. During a commercial break and shortly out of a commercial break, inside Bank of America Stadium... They started playing the normal riff of Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. And I'm like, all right, cool. 
kind of weird that they're playing they're playing semi charm life in in a stadium because of you know some of the the more uh, colorful lyrics that go along with it, even though you don't realize that that uh, the guy's actually saying it. But still, cool. Love the riff. Love the song. Really cool. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, someone bastardized it by putting another what I think is a quality song the lyrics of it over semi charm life and that and that song was the middle by Marin Morris Zed and somebody else but it was disgusting to listen to imagine just a, a gem of a song like semi charm life with with that other song over it it made me want to rip my hair out I did not hear this How? and I'm a I'm actually gonna give my come on darling to you because I'm gonna assume you just haven't been sleeping enough and I'm, this is you why know you know you what? heard this I think people, you're hearing things people on the Twitter backed me up on this I'm telling you hang on let me find it I got this here we go I think perhaps when you said you were getting to the stadium Mike, very early, you and these Twitter people that are backing you up were actually just doing drugs. Mike Nunn said, how dare you again? Come on, Darlene, to you as well. Mike Nunn said, I can hear it in the background of the Panthers broadcast. Good God. Jovan Castillo said, I was so excited to hear semi Trim Life, and then this happened. Michael Anderson wrote, I heard it too. I was very confused. Ryan Appleby wrote... It was so hard to listen to. And then Darlene wrote, I'll take things you noticed during the preseason for 200, Alex. Come on, Darlene. Get a Darlene, actually. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she, no, that was her first... Uh, She's getting warmed up. Yeah, she sure is. That's the silver lining to all this. Yes. So, yes, that's my preseason. Come on, Darlene. All right. That's going to do it for us. Uh, the next... Uh, wow. It's going to be a quick track because in one week the Bills will take on the Detroit Lions in Detroit. Um, the next practice is on Sunday. I think they're going to have a fair few practices throughout the week. They'll have that Thursday off and then Friday against the Lions. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's about to get real. That third preseason game, the dress rehearsal game, is the term you're going to hear over and over again as, as we get closer to it. All right, for uh, Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Pascalia. Thank you all for listening to this version of the pod, and we will talk to you next week. See you then.